Rowan, you're seated in an interrogation room. Dim lights illuminate a single table. This is a place you're very familiar with, but this time you find yourself seated in the wrong chair. You're facing a mirrored window. A man in a government suit sits quietly in front of you. He sips his coffee. Yours sits to the side. Your hands are unbound. In front of you are files with the code names of all the members of our cell. There are surveillance photos of each of them attached to their detailed private records. The man in front of you, a nameless man, he hasn't offered his name and you haven't given him the satisfaction of asking. He gives a weak smile, a beat. He finally speaks up. So Special Agent Redacted, we're aware of your team, your activities, but still, we have questions. I'll pick up my coffee cup and cradle it in both hands, gathering my strength. Yes, I gathered as much from your choice of accommodations. There are things we need to understand about your activities, beginning with your activation. Who is your assigned handler? I don't have one. Those higher up the food chain like keeping things at arm's length. Then how are you activated? They assigned me a drop location. They send assignments there, and I receive them and handle the job accordingly. And that's how you're always handled? Usually, but not always. Sometimes they broke protocol. So tell me about the first time they broke protocol. You're listening to The Redacted Reports, a Delta Green podcast. The date is October 5th. It's Monday, 8.32 a.m. We start in a government building, downtown Sacramento. It's the FBI branch, somewhere on the third or fourth floor. Agent Rowan, you've been at work for maybe just almost a half an hour. So it's a typical Monday. If you would, describe Agent Rowan to us. Rowan is a fairly tall, lean woman, standing at about five foot eight inches tall, Shoulder-length blonde hair, caught up in a clip because she's at work, and blue eyes. She's wearing the usual FBI outfit. Black pants and a button-up white shirt, black tie, black blazer, shoes with a low kitten heel. She looks very professional, while clearly able to handle any action if necessary. Her most distinctive feature is the pink-tinted glasses she wears. No one at her office has ever seen her without them, and the coffee cup that is almost always in her hand. So it's a Monday morning, you're at work, you're at the office. Uh, What would she be doing? Typical office morning on a Monday. Uh, It's first thing in the morning. So, and especially on a Monday, I'm coming in and looking at the reports that have come in over the weekend from people who work odder hours than I do, uh, looking at some of the intelligence reports, just getting a sense for what happened over the weekend since I left on Friday evening. There's been a lot of odds and ends your department's been following up on, Um, just random possible potential leads to investigate, looking into backgrounds of individuals you suspect, uh, nothing that's been actionable lately. The last couple of weeks have been rather uh, mundane, but it's, it's this, this is the process. This is the job. Um, you, every lead is followed up on, everything is checked out, uh, and everything is double-checked before you cross somebody off your watch list. There's a um, not even a knock at the door. The door just opens, and you see the special agent in charge, uh, which is Matheson of your department, step in. Matheson is, is in his late 40s. He is a career FBI man. He's been doing this for a while. This is maybe his third or fourth posting. Um, he's not the most congenial or friendly guy. Um, he's more of just gives you the work. He expects results. 
and minds his own business for the most part. But here he is in your office. He steps in and he closes the door behind him and walks over to the desk, um, has a folded piece of paper in his hand, sets that dead on the desk and kind of just for a, a moment looks at you suspiciously. Agent Redacted, what's this task force you've been assigned to? Good morning, sir. Nice to see you as well. Which task force? I've been involved in a few. He points at the piece of paper and kind of pushes it over your desk a bit. It's got a code name. It says Big Sky on it. Um, and there's some, there's some formalities, typical things you've seen before. You've seen these paperwork before, other task force assignments and whatnot. It's nothing unusual in your line of work. Um, but Matheson seems to be a little bit um, suspicious, for lack of a better word. You know, normally these things come through my office. I assign agents to the task force. But somebody in D.C. has pulled you on this. What do you know about this? Uh, at the moment, nothing. I haven't had a chance to read it. As soon as I know more, I'll tell you what's going on. All right. All right, agent. Um, I, just, I want reports from you. Let me know what you're doing. Um, this is not my assignment, obviously. The information's in the briefing of who you're reporting to and whatnot. I, don't, I haven't heard of this. I don't know what this is about. Uh, this is a little bit unorthodox here in our office. Well, sometimes to deal with the more unorthodox things, you have to have more unorthodox methods, I suppose. Um, there's a knock at your door, and uh, Madison seems surprised. Uh, he turns around, you look over, and somebody else opens the door. Um, it, it looks like an interpartment, the courier guy, the mail guy. You've seen him before. He comes in, he's got an envelope, it's a DHS overnight thing. My yeah. goodness, I'm popular this morning. So the, the mail guy wanders over, just drops it on your inbox like he would any other day, and kind of gives you a little nod, wink, he heads out, closes the door behind him. Matheson lingers for a moment. Curious. I'll reach over and pick up the envelope and grab a letter opener from my desk, slitting it open. And just like, this feels weird to me because it's a little bit unorthodox to borrow my boss's term. So I'm going to like pull it open a little bit and look at the front of it before I pull it out. Inside you see a, two pages of computer typewritten paper. It looks like generic, anywhere blank sheets of paper, the, the cheap stuff. Very, mm -hmm. very generic looking. Behind it is a whole bunch of photocopies. Um, all two with the two paper clips with the two photocopies in there. And um, there's no introductory letter. And there's also no government form as well attached to the front of it, which would lead you to believe which department it was from, what the business was or whatever. It's somebody printed from their computer a couple pages and made some photocopies for you. Stuck it in a DHL envelope. Good morning. Well, and the lack of all of the usual procedure stuff tells me what's probably going on at this point. And it's like huff out a little sigh and go, okay, then. So Matheson pauses suspiciously. So is that related to your task force? I think it might be, but I haven't had a chance to review it yet, sir. Very well, Agent. Uh, I'll be in my office. Good morning. Good morning. Um, he leaves, closes the door. As you dig into those papers, you've, you've probably already read this briefing, and you know what you have to do. You know, the time frame that you're looking at. Uh, what's the first step that your agent would take? I don't even make it all the way down past the, the, the first page. And then I see the time that the flight is leaving from that, that I have to be on. And I just go, you're being a nuts. All right, fine. And just like get up, dropping the, dropping the papers and going, okay, go over, make sure no, no one's around and lock my office door before pulling out my secure phone and starting to send out uh, very terse texts to my uh, operatives. Right. I want to cut to Concord, California. 
uh, one of the large thoroughfares, three-lane streets, um, and a minivan. Uh, Agent River, uh, describe the minivan you'd be driving uh, this morning. Oh, well, it, it's uh, not a large minivan, kind of a midsize. Uh, it's white and has government plates. Uh, in the back of the minivan is Agent River's daughter. Her name is... Uh, his daughter's name is Katie. And how old is Katie? She's 13. So Katie is on her way to high school, courtesy of her dad, Agent Rivers. In the back of the minivan, she's got her, her iPods in. So they're plugged in there. She's listening to music. She's tuning you out. She, it's a typical morning, a Monday morning. She's, got, she's dressed for school. She's got her bag. She's got her music. She's just zoned out in the back of the, of the minivan, middle row, right? And you are leisurely driving her to school. The reason that you're driving her to school today instead of in, in the city is, of course, your assignment. You're doing a lot of well testing and water testing in the North Bay, several week field work, very relaxing, you know, very nice shift for you, uh, where you just spend the day doing field work. Uh, you report your results online, go back home. It's one of those days. And because you're doing field work in the North Bay, uh, you're on you know, daddy duty. You're driving your daughter to school and other odds and ends. So uh, as you're driving, the Bluetooth on the, on the car notifies. And instead of the call from Agent Rowan that we're expecting, it's a call from Jennifer, your wife. But what would you call her and the, the nickname on your Bluetooth? That would be Jen. So you know, it just shows up on the display, Jen is calling. It indicates you hear the ringing sound. Uh, do you pick up? Yes, of course I pick it up. Of course. So, um, so she says, all right, all right, dear, listen, I know that you're taking our, our daughter to school today, but listen, there's been a problem. One of her, her science projects didn't get completed. I don't, I don't know why she's not doing her work. You need to talk to her about this. But uh, one of her teachers uh, let us know on the phone line that her science project was not turned in on Friday. And we need to go to school. You should find that teacher and, and have a conversation to find out what it is that she's not doing. Because we can't have this. You, you have to just take care of this for me, please. I'm very busy. And then when that's done, we still need that ground cover for the flower bed. Uh, that hasn't been done yet. Over the weekend, you sit here and get those, the, the bark and lay that out, and that wasn't done. So I'm hoping that when you ever get done with whatever work you're doing, can you stop by Home Depot and pick that up, please? Uh, uh, sure, I can probably find time for that. Uh, probably driving between sites. And, and the kitchen door between the garage and the kitchen that's still sticking. Every time I go out, it's, it's still, it doesn't close very well. I, can you please, please take care of that? Oh, I, I, I looked at it this weekend. I couldn't find anything wrong. Well, every time I close it, it sticks. And, and I, it's not, it's, it's a security risk. It's, it's not safe. Well, I mean, we... Well, I'm running away from I have to get to work now. I love you. Bye-bye. It disconnects. In the I, back... I, your daughter pulls one of her ear, her little earbuds out, and she kind of just rolls her eyes, gives you a look through the through the rearview mirror. She says, "I turned it in, Dad." Well, I, why did they say you didn't turn it in? What's going on? Uh, uh, listen, Dad, I'll 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 take care of it. Don't you, don't go talk to my teachers, Dad. I'll take care of it. I'm I promise. I turned it in. It's not a big well, deal. Well, if it if you turned it in, why can't I talk to your teacher? Come on, this. Don't worry about it, Dad. Don't be like that. And if it's not a problem, then, then your teacher will just tell me it's not a problem. Uh, what was the project, anyway? Uh, some flower project. I don't know. Some, I have to plant some flowers. Well, that doesn't sound like real science. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's not. It's, it's, it's such a stupid class. It's just a waste of my time. 
I mean, flowers are nice. I don't don't get me wrong, but but planting flowers is gardening. Dad, we're almost there. She puts her hair pot in back in the ear, tunes you out, shakes her head. Would would um would Rowan be calling or texting Agent River? I said text originally, but I, but now I'm thinking that she would call to make absolutely sure that, that the message gets through to everyone. So yeah, she would call. So um, as uh, River, you you pull into the the line of cars of all the parents that are always dropping the kids off exactly at the same time at school. Um, and the, the the waiting line where it's, everyone's queued up and nobody wants to drop their kids on the sidewalk. They have to drop them off in the front, but you're in line. Um, your phone rings again. What would you have as your caller ID for Agent Rowan? It would probably just say Rowan. It's a, that's what it shows on the dashboard, the display. It rings Rowan, one word. It's calling. Have not seen that in, in a, at least six weeks. It's been quite some time since you've had any conversations with Rowan. You know what that call means. Okay, well, I, I will I will pick it up and, and say, uh, hey, uh, it's been a while. Uh, I can't really talk right now, but uh, can I get back to you? We are very short on time. I will call you back in 15 minutes, and I need to give you a debrief then. Okay. Right, um, at some point, your, your, your daughter says, it's fine, Dad. I'll, it's fine. And she just opens the door, grabs her book bag, waves you a little bit, walks in the sidewalk, starts walking to school. Well, I better not hear anything more about this science project. She kind of just waves her hand a little bit, shakes her head, trudges off towards school in the morning. Uh, you're able to pull out of this long line of cars back on the street, and we're going to cut to a hospital at the medical base. It's the David Grant Medical Center at Travis Air Force Base. Agent Roy, you're off shift, um, and really, you should be asleep right now. I mean, it was about four to five hours ago when you did end shift, but sometimes these shifts, they go long, and there's nothing happening, and your mind wanders, and you had a great idea, and you just had to wait until the shift was over. So you've gone out in the morning, made the purchase that you needed to make from uh, pet stores that are available. Um, you've got the hutch. You're heading back to the, the medical campus. You use your ID badge to get in. The laboratory is... In your experience, there's just never anyone down here in the farm lab. It's every time you've been here, of course, it's been empty. And Monday morning, 8.40 in the morning, no exception. There's nobody down here. Turning on the lights. Of course, you've got the bag with you. You've already the secured bag. And you've got the hutch with you as well. Um, you wander over to the, uh, the hood that you've been using. And you take one last look around. It's quiet. It's empty. And you, of course, you've got um, the hutch. It's got, I think, two white rabbits, right? So um, preparing those, um, you open up the, 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 the chem lab, or the chem hood, and put one of the, the rabbits in there, one of the little bunnies in there. Adorable little creature. The red eyes. So you know, the red eyes is always a bad sign. White rabbit, red eyes. He hops around a bit inside the, the hutch, or the, not the hutch, the hood. And you close it up. Go over to the other bag that you have, the sealed bag. Get your gloves on before you handle that. And somewhere in the back of the building, there's the hum of fluorescence that you hear clicking. And it clicks again. Your footsteps echo from just outside the hallway. You stop what you're doing. Yep. <laughs> uh, somebody, somebody walks in, and you immediately recognize uh, Major Donovan. Major Donovan is in her mid to late 40s. Um, she's one of the shift supervisors here at, at the hospital. Uh, you know her barely. You've seen her a couple of times for, for staff meetings. But Major Donovan wanders into the room, looks around a little bit, uh, you've kind of stashed what you're up to. Uh, do you want to stay there or maybe go, go approach her? So do I put everything away or? 
But one the rabbit's still inside that hood. Well, one yeah. rabbit is. So I see. I she comes. She comes in, or I just can see her walking. Towards uh, you me. you see her step in the door with the other side of the lab over from the hallway. Okay. Um, I just, I would walk towards her and would Captain Major. Major. Oh, uh, oh, Doctor Redacted. Good. I've been looking for you. I heard that you were still in the building. Um, I thought that you were off shift, but one of the staffs told me they'd saw you about five minutes ago. Um, it's very good to see you. I said I have some news. I, I just received this information. Somebody, um, somebody in DC wants you uh, to attach. There's some task force that they want you on. Oh. Uh, so she she digs okay. around a little bit, uh, pulls some paper out. It's an, it's a printed. It looks like a fax. They're still using faxes today in the U.S. military. Who knew? So it's facts with it's direct orders from uh, USAF command uh, loaning you out to a FBI task force codenamed Big Sky. Um, departure time one uh, one twenty in the afternoon here from the Travis Air Force Field. It advises you to you know bring on necessary equipment preparation, uh, be assigned immediately forthcoming for indeterminate length of time. Uh, so I I'd look it over and like uh oh that's soon isn't it? It looks and like who, today. It, yeah. Uh... Okay. Um, I need. I need. I need to look the, look this over. And is there a cont? Who did? You, who handed this to you? Uh, s- staff secretary. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll look. I'll look through it and see what's going on. Thanks for bringing this to my attention. So, what what brings you down to the, to the laboratory? Uh, you know those long shifts. I couldn't. Uh, I usually go to sleep right after. I just my mind is just race racing. I just need to come and just kind of. I don't know. Sometimes I like to just come down here and study a little bit read okay. up on stuff it's usually quiet in here um but yeah oh yeah this this whole area the budget they cut this about three years ago we never use these these rooms anymore it seems yeah it's not the first i've come down here before it's usually like super quiet it's a nice nice spot to get stuff done i would have never thought the the, the pharma lab would be a place to uh whatever you know whatever um have a good trip um take care of yourself you've uh we've enjoyed having you here at the staff you've done excellent work i'm sure we'll see you again um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'll be back soon. I've liked my rotation here so far. Don't get rid of my apartment. <laughs> oh, no, no. We, we won't talk. We wouldn't dare. So, um, you take care. Um, catch me up when you, when they send you back. Sounds good. I'll, uh, I'll email you. I'll email the scheduler. Let her know. That uh, sounds good. She takes one glance over towards the, the hood where the, the rabbit bounces a couple times. Doesn't seem to say anything about it. Turns and walks down the hallway and exits. Your cell phone buzzes. I look, I look at it. Uh, it just says one word on it. It says Rowan. Uh, I, I answer it. This is Rory. Good morning, Rory. Uh, Agent Rowan, nice to hear from you. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been about six weeks or so, yes. And unfortunately, we haven't a great deal of time for pleasantries. We are being deployed this afternoon. I That's what I hear. I just actually got res- uh, my own report about, about two minutes ago. Talk about talk about timing. I, I have a feeling that things get arranged for us, whether we like it or not, as far as timing goes. Yeah, they didn't see the hospital didn't sound like they were going to miss me. Well, for indeterminate length of time, so. Uh, well, I'm sure I'm sure they will, but. They, I, I mean, when it's the FBI, I think they just they make arrangements as they would need to. Speaking of arrangements, are you going to be able to get Chase watched over? Uh, yes. I can. I have someone I can drop him off with. Okay, um, good. Where should I meet you? We are meeting at your Air Force base, so oh, I'm... That works. <laughs> it's, it's a very nice short trip for you. The rest yep. of us are going to have to scramble a bit. Yeah. Cool. Well, I guess I will see you 1300? 
Yeah, let's let's, let's try to meet at 1300, if not a little bit before. Perfect. All right. All right. See you soon. Uh, After the call is terminated, Rory, do you stay and continue your experiment or call it a day? Uh, I would pack it up and secure everything. That the bunny lives to see another day. Yes, for now. So cut to a storage unit. We're, we're in Fairfield, California, uh, just off the, the 680 freeway in an area that is just acres and acres of storage. Specifically, A1, 24-hour storage. Uh, this place boasts 16 acres of storage units, you know, of all sizes, shapes, and whatnot, open 24 hours a day. No questions asked. You type a code in the gate, you're in, you're out whenever you want to use your facility. Um, this is what was chosen by the group many, many weeks ago. And Rooster has been kind of the, the man on scene of making the preparations and the transfer and managing uh, the bountiful gear and uh, sundries that our cell has recovered in their last operation. Uh, Rooster, this morning, right around 8.45, you're awake, oddly enough, with the inside the storage unit, the door is open. Maybe half open. So if anybody comes by, you can slam that thing shut. It's a cool, it's a cool day. It's October. Uh, morning air is nice and, and relaxing. Uh, what would Rooster be working on this morning? Today, Rooster's at the folding plastic table that he's set up in a folding chair. Got the radio on behind him and a fan going because, well, it might be a decent day, but it's still a storage unit. He's uh, trying to do some repairs on an assault rifle today. Nothing major, but needs a little bit of filing to make sure the, the um, I don't remember the word because I'm not actually a gun person. The receiver is, isn't lining up correctly. So um, at this particular storage unit, the, the group has, over a couple of weekends, many weekends ago, helped move a lot of items here. And a couple of the members have borrowed specific items from, from the, uh, the unit. What specifically has Rooster been curious about from the bounteous uh, items of, of your newfound green box? Well, the first thing he paid attention to was organizing the damn thing and figuring out what they have. Because this place was just a mess. And if there was an organizational system here, it um, was not exactly efficient for grabbing things quickly. But after that, it was repairing the multiple sets of body armor up to working condition, because they weren't before that. And, and so far, he's got one of those ready. The other two are pretty badly damaged. Really, they're in replacement level. They should be replaced. Um, I mean, you can you can jury rig them. You can you can bend them and melt them, but they're not really to code or to standards that you would re- expect. Most of the time, you guys just get rid of that stuff and get a new set. But uh, but this is what you've got. So you've been working with, you got one of them fixed up. The one that was the lightest damage with the bullet holes. Bullet holes are much easier to repair than those claw marks or whatever the hell it was that was damaging one of the other sets of body armor. Any of the weird odds and ends or sundries that has caught Rooster's attention in the the many long hours he spent amongst the collection that you have? Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of weird stuff, but the ones that particularly interest him are the pitch black shotgun shell inside a Ziploc bag with a label that says four emergencies, but it's a shotgun shell. He's has no idea what to do with what it does unless he shoots it. And the other thing is a stack of like seventies penthouse magazines, but all the human faces are, have been replaced with pictures of fish. How does he feel about those? I mean, it's, it's clearly at some point that it's people, but they just stuck fish heads over the heads of the, the nude women. 
I mean, it's weird. There's fish pictures, but he isn't really looking at their faces and for the most part anyway, so... Um, there you go. It's also from the 70s. It was a different time back then. Yes, it was. So, um, describe Rooster Force this morning. How's he look? Rooster's uh, not as bedraggled as we've seen him before. He's looking like he's still working on energy drinks, like he's probably been doing that all night, but he hasn't been spending all night playing Xbox against, you know, 12-year-olds in Korea. He's been actually doing something with a purpose, so he isn't quite as uh, raccoon-eyed and distant-looking, but he's still wearing sleeveless shirt, pair of jeans, close-cropped hair, and just focused on what he's doing at this point. What's the ringtone on his cell phone sound like? Uh, <laughs> um, well, for this person, it's Soundgarden's Black Hole Sun. Yeah, and that's what you hear. The phone vibrates a little bit, and the tunes of Black Hole Sun start ringing out inside uh, the storage unit there. You look over at your phone, display pops up. Uh, you know the name attached to that song. Rowan appears on the display. Oh, it says glasses. It doesn't say oh. Rowan. <laughs> oh, then glasses it is. <laughs> He's, he kind of shakes his head, breaks himself out of the daze, reaches over, grabs it, and goes, We got something? Are we doing something? We have something. Sweet. I thought I was going to be stuck in this damn shed for another few months. Uh, sorry, it's been so long. I've only just gotten word. All right. So what kind of go bags am I packing? We are going to Montana. We're going to be there for an indeterminate amount of time. So whatever you need to set up and deal with for that. I'm not worried about that. What kind of go bags do we need? Are we looking at heavy arms or weird shit? The briefing suggests weird shit. I suggest both. There's a lot of really weird shit in here that I have no idea what it does. How much of it should I... If we don't know what it does, it's probably not worth bringing along. It'll just get broken or get us in trouble if we don't know how to use it. Okay. Guns, armor, and machetes it is. Cash? Yes. Cash is a good idea. Got it. I'll be... You picking me up or am I meeting you? We are meeting at Travis Air Force Base. He look, kind of looks at his watch, does a kind of mental calculations, and goes, All right, I'll be there two hours. See you then. Moving forward, in two hours' time, I guess we'll move to, uh, let's go with 1300. It's 1300. Unless you have a question, Rowan, go. I, I, I did want to say that uh, after hanging up with, with the three gentlemen, I, I would have gotten a hold of uh, someone to help me get legitimate paperwork for Rooster. Who do you want to contact about that in the uh, hour <laughs> that you have? Cool. Um, yeah, I have... I refer to it as a Rolodex. It's really a, a very good Excel spreadsheet of contacts. This would be a like a, like a Blackwater type operation, a, a security consultant firm that has very good clearances. Um, I've worked with a couple people there, and and one of them owes me a favor. We've traded favors back and forth for about a year or so, and so he's the person that I would contact to be like, I need papers, I need them quickly, and I and and I need you to put this person on your payroll. I will owe you. Give me a luck roll for our first roll. Yee. And I'm aiming below 50, yes? Exactly. Neat. 32. 32 is success. So um, the company, the guy you know, happens to work for a company which is called Breckenridge, which is very Blackwater-esque. There's a security consultant, security for hire, 
borderline black ops types of fellows. They do a lot of corporate security, but they also do military sites and they do whatever the U.S. government needs. These guys show up and manage it. You know, they do the black sunglasses, the, the, the high-tech outfits and uniforms and armor and whatnot. And they, they act a lot cooler than they should be. Somebody that you've ha- worked with before, they're on the government payroll, the contact is there. You know this guy, we'll, we'll call him Bob. So you've worked with him before, you don't know him really well. Just somebody that you, when you've had to get security, uh, these guys are happy to pay, make the government pay for it. They love doing work for the government. So Bob is available when you call him. Um, his secretary answers and puts you right through to him. All right, so he says, ah, yeah, Bob Stone here. What can I do for you, agent? Yes, hello. I have a favor I need to ask of you. Well, you know how it is over here at Breckenridge. We, uh, we love favors. We love our government's uh, agents. We, are, we love working with you people. Well, and we enjoy working with you as well. I have a uh, an operative that I need to go with me on an operation later this afternoon. It is to do with my department, so it's very hush-hush, you understand. And I need paperwork for him as soon as possible within the next hour or so. You know, you know, we got people. I can I can send us people with you. I got plenty of people. I know. I loan out to your operation, and we're all everyone here is is strictly top secret clearance. And I understand that, and I completely and I appreciate that. I have worked with this person in these sorts of operations before, and he's he's someone I I, I want to have along with me on this one. Yeah, but he he ain't a Breckenridge employee, am I correct? Correct. But you want it so that I make him one of our employees? If you would be so good, and we can and we can make sure that there is a a hefty finder's fee for uh, bringing him on. All right, you know that this. Uh... I don't want this to bite us in the ass here. I mean, we got a great relationship. This fellow does something that puts a bad name on our company. I could be, could be my ass in a sling. You know what I'm saying here? I put my reputation on the line for him. All right, well, Agent. Um, how about this? I, I could write him up and one of my other top consultants, right? And I just make sure that only he arrives on scene. So we, we bill you for the two? That works for me. Okay, okay. Where do you need this fellow sent? Uh, I need I need him sent to uh, Montana, and I'll and I'll and I'll give him all of the information right, that right. for well not not all of the information but the information that would need to be put on that kind of paperwork for okay. this sort of operation. All right, I'm going to write him up for a two week rotation. After that, we're going to have to talk some more uh, some more contracts. Sounds good. You got this fellow for two weeks um, on a government dime. We're happy to do business with you. Happy to do business with you as well. And the sooner I can get the paperwork over here, the better. I need to leave the office soon. Yeah, you, you types want the facts, or you want me to just email it to you? Oh, if you could email it to me, that would be easier. I can get that on my phone then. Yeah, this is the twenty first century. I'll, I got you covered. Take care. I appreciate it. Happy doing business with the agent redacted. Take care of yourself, Bob. Uh, did you did you call a river back? By the way, yes, I did. So River knows where to go. River, there would be one further phone call, of course, uh, with your supervisors of the EPA. Do you want to make that phone call? Uh, yeah, I mean, did, I, I assume I got, got some kind of a cover score story that I can give them, or hopefully it's been arranged. So uh, when you do contact the office, it turns out, at first, they don't know what you're talking about. They're, they're the government. If they ask around, somebody finally realizes it was sent over and somebody hasn't sent it forward yet. It's in an inbox somewhere. It's an email that no one's read. But it turns out you legitimately have been assigned to some FBI task force in the state of Montana. Your supervisor seems a little bit surprised. But you've always been, you do good work for, for the EPA. They trust you. Whatever it is you're working on, they don't seem too too bothered about it. And right now, there's nothing really pressing in the office. 
So um, they talked to you a little bit about the bureaucracy paperwork and where to send your timesheets and whatnot. Wish you well. And we'll talk to you when you get back from whatever it is that you're doing with the FBI. You know, good luck. Um, what do you want to take with you, River? Okay, well, I mean, first, you know, I need to go home and, and pick up my, my bag of uh, spare clothes. Uh, on the way, I'll stop at Home Depot. Good man. You pick up about, about four or five bags of, the, of basically bark. It's this nice black bark that you're going to lay as ground cover beneath all the rose beds. So you put that in, in the backyard. Uh, the, that door does stick a little bit. It, she's right. The door is sticking a little bit when you're going through it. Uh, so you just make a mental note. You still have to work on that. You grab your stuff from the garage. What are you taking with you? Uh, I'm going to take the standard kit that I usually bring in the field with me and all, all the portable stuff. And what does that kit entail? I mean, how, how uh, much protection are we talking about? Well, there, there's a, for, for protection, I mean, there, there's a full hazmat suit with a rebreather. And then for other kinds of protection, um, I have a uh, light Kevlar vest. I also have a tactical body armor and Kevlar helmet if that's needed. You shouldn't need that. Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's in the duffel bag. I've got my sidearm and a uh, shotgun. Just never, never use that, but, you know, it's part of the gear. But most of most of the equipment is is uh, scientific stuff, um, test kits, uh, chemical sniffer, sampling equipment, things like that. All right, so everything's gathered up. River heads out. Everyone makes their way there. We're gonna cut ahead. And the entire time on, on the on the drive to uh, Travis is is calling Jan and, and and explaining to her. Oh boy. I'll bet that goes over like a lead balloon. So wh- what do you want to tell uh, Jen about your sudden field trip out of state? Well, I've told her that I've, I've been brought onto this task force with the FBI and it might get activated without warning. And so kind of, this is it. This is, this is what I was warning you about. Who's picking up our daughter after school? You were supposed to pick her up after school today. I mean, if you can't do it, then, then you'll have to uh, arrange for one of her friends to uh, give her a ride. I'm so tired of the Davises. They, they are, I just, last time they did, they did not pick her up on time. And the, those people, they're so messy. I just, fine, I'll ask them. I'll ask them again. I know that they're, they're friends of our daughters. and I'll do this. She sighs. Are you coming home tonight? Uh, no, this looks like a, a long-term assignment. How long? They, didn't t- they can't tell me when I'll be back. As they said, indefinite. They don't even tell you how long you have to be gone from your family? Well, it's until the job's done. Well, what's the job? Well, I, 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 I explained I can't talk about that. It's, it's FBI stuff. You're, you're not in the FBI. Yeah, but they need technical expertise sometimes. Well, they have all those people down at, at Quantico or whatever it is. They, have, they don't need someone from the EPA. I, I, don't, I don't understand. They want the best for this. Fine. That's all right. That makes sense. All right, well, you, you call us. Call, call us every night, please. Of course. All right. You, you, you stay safe. Yeah, always. All right. Love you. Bye. Love you. Hangs up. So cutting forward to uh, 1300, one o'clock in the afternoon, Travis Air Force Base. It's, I mean, the planes, they taxi up on the, on the runway. You guys, there's not like an airport like we're used to for a commercial airport. This is a military base. You're, you're waiting in a hangar nearby. Uh, the four of you gather with all your gear. Nobody checks your gear. Nobody checks your bags. Nobody cares what you're up to. Everyone here is working. 
they're they are they are feeling things. They are loading things. They are professionals. Um, corpsmen at an Army Air Force base, and each of you have their credentials to get on. Except we're wondering about Rooster. What is it that Rooster does to get on this base? That's what I was going to ask. It's actually fairly likely because most bases that I have been to have like a parking area right outside of the actual like gate where where you can get like a visitor pass or whatever. Rowan would would meet Rooster there. And um, Rooster is very happy to see that Rowan has some paperwork of some sort for you. And congratulations, you now work for the Breckenridge Corporation. You've heard of them. You don't really like those guys, but you've seen them before. They they, they show up, they, they think they're in the military and they they guard foreign installations on U.S. property adequately. So Rooster saw these guys when he was in Iraq and playing soldier with better toys? That's the guys, yeah. Mm, those guys. So he looks at it and goes, Oh, so I'm muscle for hire now? Yes, at a very decent rate, from what I'm saying. Is that decent rate as in I don't get paid shit? Or Sorry? decent rate for the people who are renting me? <laughs> you get paid. If you show them the paperwork, uh, this a two-week stint with Breckenridge will make as much as you make in six months doing private security. He looks at it, blinks, and goes, do I have, uh, like, 30 seconds to make a call? Fifteen. Go. <laughs> <laughs> he pulls out his phone, hits it, waits for it to ring, goes to voicemail, of course, and he goes, hey, Joe, fuck off, I quit. Hangs up. All right, let's go. No more rent fuzz for me. I am well. sick and yeah, this isn't rent a fuzz because I am <laughs> sick and fucking tired of guarding dr- empty drive-in movie theaters at two in the morning. Well, you you've taken a step up to being rent a military. I actually get to carry a gun this time. Yes, and and the nice gun too. Yeah, and we, uh, you have all the credentials that you need to get on this base legitimately. Hey, all right. It's Christmas in October. <laughs> Let's get a move on. The guys are waiting for us. All right. So inside the, the hangar, um, basically what they're doing, your view, the hangar doors are wide open. There's a very large military transport plane on the runway. They're loading it up with boxes and crates to be moved. These things get moved every couple hours around the country constantly for who knows what reason. But And that big plane is your, your ride. There's a kind of passenger section in the middle that people hop on and jump around the country with um, for free on the government's time. That's where you'll be riding at around 1.32 when the plane takes off. But right now it's loading, and the four of you have a moment to yourself in this hangar for maybe some explanation about what it is that you're doing here at the Travis Air Force Base. All right, and as soon as all four of us are gathered up, I'm going to pull out the, the envelope that I have with the briefings and everything in it, and I'm going to pull out the two reports that are in there. River River gets the EPA and uh, and Rory gets the, uh, the the medical report. Is this something I would have? What was what would have been in my original briefing? Would have this would have been something like this would have been in there? Probably not. This this is what you got earlier, which you've already reviewed. Okay. All right, and uh, Agent Rowan ex- explains that the reason is the four of you are here. Yes. Well, there is hmm, my department got pinged in a manner of speaking because this is looking odd there as you'll see in there uh rory fellow died with uh very interesting findings in in his lab reports uh, in the autopsy report and this got shifted over to me because it looks like it's part of the unnatural that we deal with and given that you're epa and i'll not over at river and you're you're a doctor this seemed like an 
excellent group to send into this, even though we're usually in California. So it goes. What about this is, is you know, in our line of work, it looks like a standard EPA case to me. Uh, mostly what's in the medical report. Yeah, this, this much heavy metal poisoning is odd, to put it lightly. What? I like ACDC. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not a medical person, but that looks like levels that you couldn't get naturally before dying. No, it's, it got to those I mean, even when I see it, when I've seen it, rarely, I've seen like once or twice, it was like, real, like an, either something really acute or like long-term like chronic, and this just looks way beyond either of those. So, wait, okay, someone want to clue me into the smart talk, What what is heavy metal, if it's not music? Lead poisoning, mercury poisoning, arsenic, something like that. Um, I think this metal specifically in this case were cadmium, arsenic, zinc, lead, or what the, the most common ones that were in this report. But it's normally when it presents, it's like either lead poisoning from like paint or like environment or like a, an acute workplace exposure to something. But this doesn't present like that at all. So I'm curious to get a little more info when we get there. Who's your victim in this case? Our victim is a Deputy Sheriff Fred Jacob of the Lewis and Clark County Sheriff's Department. Uh, he passed away about six days ago, and the reports presented what Rory said, and it, it pinged as weird enough to get the attention of uh, Delta Green. And I say that very quietly under the noise of, of, of the hangar, so that even someone walking close by wouldn't necessarily hear. The narrative that we're working under right now, and we'll be, we're going to have to use real names and contacts and our work in this. The, uh, the official false narrative that we're working with is that there was a domestic terrorism incident to drop a whole bunch of this sort of nonsense into the water, into the land, into wherever it is that he picked it up. That's part of what we're there to find out is where he got all of this nastiness into him. You said he was a cop or a sheriff or something? Deputy Sheriff. Deputy Sheriff. Uh, River, did you notice anything else from the reports that you reviewed? Um, well, I, um, yeah, I mean, it, pr- pretty much the, the same as uh, Rory came up with. I mean, this, this level of contamination, especially the, the vari- wide variety of different toxins, is, is a bit unusual. Um, the first suggestion I came up, thought of was, you know, some kind of mine incident, you know, We've dealt with things like that. You might have heard a few years back where that river down in Colorado turned yellow when a mine pool got breached. That was a bit of an embarrassment for us. Kind of things where you get tend to get uh, this kind of heavy metal contamination. You know, it seems like the, the local EPA is on, on the case already. We should probably coordinate with them and see uh, if they have any additional information they've come up with. We're going to want to coordinate and, as, as best as possible, take it over from them. Because if it is something to do with the unnatural, we want them away from it. Any other questions? All right. With that said, we're gonna, you guys, time comes. It's a, a little bit after 1.30 in the afternoon. When the, when the airman motions you towards the plane, uh, the engines are already running. Got leads you in there, shows you where your seats are, uh, motions to the different seats. Gives Rory a little, little faint salute, you know, nods to him. Uh, Rory will salute back. I did it on the video, but this is just audience. So. <laughs> <laughs> do it. Do, do the appropriate salute. Yeah, whatever salute that is. I'm guessing we're in jump. We're in jump seats. Uh, the jump seats in the yeah. middle of the plane. Yeah. 
the whole like metal metal rack with five point harnesses and having to yell over the plane. Exactly. Because this is not commercial. Yeah, this is not. So he, he looks over at the other three of you, not, not the captain. So you know, anybody here ever ridden on an Air Force transport before? Afraid not. I haven't, at least. Rooster looks up and goes, someone's got to get us there. All right, so, you know, 30 minutes into the flight, we got, you know, the first course and the appetizers. Um, today, uh, we got like a water chestnut that we're going to be uh, offering you guys and maybe a little cheese plate, if that sounds lovely. Um, the cheese plate's really good um, from what I've experienced with the Air Force, so... Yeah, we got we offer a creme brulee, and um, if you guys are lucky, I'll I'll bring the little torch out, and we'll just mid-flight burn those things for you. Rooster starts cracking up, and then goes fucking chair force. Hey, so hey, uh, have a great flight, guys. Uh, five points. You know what to do, right? He, he he motions towards the cockpit, All right, then yells to somebody in the cockpit, like you know, start her up, start her up. Chuckles to himself, gives another nod to the captain before he leaves, and heads on down to the cockpit. Closes it up. The four of you are alone in this, this little section here in the middle of the plane, engines spin loudly, uh, and you guys are underway. The flight itself, so it's it's just under three hours. Uh, it's a direct flight straight up into Montana. Uh, you guys arrive that day with the time zone. We're going to say four. Uh, so if we'll say right around 5 p.m. local time is when you land. You'll be landing at Malstrom Air Force Base in the state of Montana, which is located right next to the very tiny town of Great Falls. And every town in Montana is a tiny town. It's just littered with tiny little towns. Of course, the capital itself is half the size of Visalia. So we're, we're talking 54,000 so much people you know, over here in Helena. And that's where you'll be headed to. You're heading to Helena, Montana, after, of course, you disembark. So uh, it's a smooth flight. It's uneventful. I imagine you may have a couple of words with each other, or you can just relax and enjoy the, the cush first-class accommodations of the U.S. Air Force. Rory is sleeping the whole flight because he has not slept in a little while. <laughs> Excellent. And at some point, maybe Rooster even crashes, too. I don't know. How does he, how's he feel about these flights? Oh, well, first thing is uh, Rooster pulls out his vape, and then, uh, you know, menthol everywhere. Then puts it away, looks around realizes that Rory's out, River and Rowan are doing whatever the smart people do, and he just conks out. Yeah, Rowan has earbuds in and is reading through uh, the, the the reports again, just just like making notes in, in, in the margins. So f- five o'clock local, everyone disembarks, you get all your gear out, you, you take it out yourself. There's no baggage claim, no baggage service whatsoever. Um, that Air Force corpsman will help the captain with his bags as a courtesy, uh, but just the captain. Yeah, I, 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 I don't even notice. Just like sling, sling my bag over my shoulder and then head out. So as you stand on the tarmac, um, nobody seems to be paying attention to you uh, or greeting you or checking your security or even seeming to care that you're standing on the tarmac. Then I start unloading the back of this transport. They got places to go, things to do. Um, so after a, a little, a long, awkward pause of, okay, um, a, a Range Rover appears to start dr- the drive down the runway. Uh, from behind the plane, and drives up, slows down, approaching the side of the plane. Uh, the Range Rover stops. Um, a fellow gets out. It's a man in his late 60s, maybe 70s, kind of ageless look to him. Uh, he's got silvery hair, short military crop, silver hair, a uh, weathered face that, I mean, maybe, like, it, he's lived, uh, but he he's not dying. Uh, he's wearing basically a denim jacket. So it's like the denim with the... With the, the What's it called? Like the wool in the inside of it? 
Some jeans. I'm sorry. He's lived, but he hasn't died. He's got an ageless look. If this was anything but Cthulhu, I would let that slide. Yeah, right. It's not. It's definitely not Cthulhu. <laughs> not even close. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Right, but so this, he's got the um, aviator sunglasses as well, so to kind of finish up the look. Uh, he he uh, closes the door, beep beeps the car, uh, wanders over towards where the four of you are at, uh, and approaches the four of you. Uh, like he expects that you'd be here and knows the reason that you're here. Am I expected to have a pair of sunglasses? So as he approaches, he uh, he just looks over the four of you, almost just mentally making a check in his mind of, of what he sees here. And says, uh, so get in the car, I'm your lift. Rooster looks at Rowan. I'll, I'll glance back at him and, ju- and just nod a little. Thank you kindly. What are we to call you? Uh, Donald Greenway. Donald, pleasure to meet you. All right, let's go. Uh, he, um, is, oh yeah, um, you're Rowan, right? Yep. Uh, he hands you a, a, a cell phone. I'll take it. I'm number one on that. Thank you, sir. Uh, he goes over the driver's door, unlocks the car, he gets in the driver's seat. No, so I'll, I'll, I'll slip the, the, the phone into my blazer pocket and uh, load up my, my stuff and take shotgun. Now, the back of the, the Range Rover, the, the hood opens up by itself. Um, there's still this room in the back for your cargo. So uh, I imagine you guys load your stuff in the back of the Range Rover. Who wants to sit shotgun? Is that Rowan's seat? Of course. That's Rowan's seat. <laughs> Rooster <laughs> jumps in and buckles a seatbelt on one side before the other two even get close. And the last two, River and Rory. Where do you guys... I don't know cars. Are there only three seats in the back? I'm assuming. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's I why would... Rooster grabbed a, grabbed That's a side. Not a, okay. Uh, Rory would just go and sit in the middle. Good man. Oh, yeah. Right, so yeah, River... River... River is taking the most time loading gear and, and then looks at that, sees, sees where Rooster is and, and heads for the other side. So um, doors close. The Range Rover starts up. Uh, he, he cruises out. Um, this fellow doesn't say much for the, for the first minute or so of the drive. He's just driving down the tarmac, basically. Uh, works his way to one of the security gates, waves to the guy. They let him out. He's back on the streets. So you guys are in Montana. It's uh, early October. It's fall in Montana. Uh, the leaves are already changing. The sun is going down a lot earlier. It's cool, but it's not cold. Uh, later in the month, the snow will begin. So we're just just before the winter. Um, it's it's cool, but it's actually very pleasant here. Uh, sky is a nice uh, deep red, shades of orange and yellow as the sun is starting to set earlier than what you might expect. Actually, come to think of it, we are pretty far north, so maybe our, our resident Alaskan can, can fill me in on <laughs> October sunsets on the northern latitudes. Um, I mean, Montana isn't nearly as far north as Alaska, <laughs> oh, yeah. but it's definitely when when that starts to when the when the days get shorter. So far, uh, because yeah. it's well, only a couple well, because, weeks after the uh, equinox. The equinox. So it's, yeah, so the equinox is when things are pretty perfectly balanced. So it's tipping a little bit more towards the longer nights and shorter days. But maybe by a half hour at this point, half hour, forty-five minutes. Yeah, so for story purposes, we're we're magic hour here. Sun is starting to set. <laughs> it's 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 hanging over the horizon. Uh, tall mountains in the distance. Pretty much tall mountains in every direction. You can see it's tall mountains in very slow, open, wide valleys. Uh, it's, it's an interesting landscape. It's a very easy landscape where it very gradually drifts up until these large, beautiful peaks, which have snow most of the year at the tops of them. Uh, there's, there's not dense woods here in Montana. And it's kind of light wood covering in places. There are small copses of trees and groves and whatnot. A lot of open space, a lot of open land, great for cattle and grazing and, and a lot of snow most of the year. But we're not in that period yet. We're still here in the fall 
the cusp of the snow season. So after leaving the base uh, with your quiet valet or whatever, he, he fiddles around the controls of the car a little bit, um, looks over at Rowan and kind of glances the rest of you over of you. All right, you can call me Castle, he says. Look, I know this is a little unorthodox, right? They dragged me out, asked me to do this. Uh, I'm not your handler. So let's just get that straight. No, people in A-cell usually are. I'm, I'm close by. Uh, let's just put it that way. And, and I'm, I'm not really doing this stuff anymore. Somebody in A-cell thinks there's a problem. Somebody in A-cell decides not to go the usual route. And I get four Californians in my backyard. So listen, um, you guys know the situation, right? As much as was in the briefing document, which I'm sure you know is never enough. They gave you the GPS? Yes. All right. So you know what to do with those GPS. If you find out there's a problem, we've got some extra equipment ready for you at that location. And if it turns out that's not going to be enough, I got to know some people. All right. So listen, um, like I said, I'm not your handler. I'm just a local. Uh, these people here, uh, they mind their own business. Uh, everybody is here because they don't want the government on their on their backs. The neighbors are far, far apart in these parts of the country, and everyone minds their own business, stays in themselves, so you guys should be just fine. Uh, I don't know what this guy was looking into, but you guys, you do your jobs. You'll figure it out, I'm sure. Any questions you got for me? Eh, talkative crowd. What sort of extra equipment uh, is available? Uh, we, we kept that box stocked for a lot of different... Um, complications so yeah I'm sure there'll be plenty of stuff in there that you guys could use uh, and if not you got my number I can I know some people there's people out here that are, are ready for the next time the government collapses and they gotta they gotta go to war so I know people that can get us gear if we need some is there much of the less orthodox gear in the in the screen box you know I think last time I checked there was a couple of strange things in there you know how it goes uh, nobody knows what to do with this stuff so you got fish face nudie max? Yeah, that that that's a new one to me, friend. Yeah, that that, that turned up in our box. Now nah, I'm not gonna. I don't need to know this. But yeah, like I said, um, you know how it goes. We uh, people find things, we store them, and then nobody knows what to do with them. So mm. if you don't know what it is, you know how this works. We don't touch the things that we shouldn't be touching, right? Do our best not to, anyway. Yeah, absolutely. We don't touch them. I just tip my head and give him a look over, over 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 the glasses, just like tilt them down a little bit, like stop it. Yeah, so um, yeah, this is this is your ride, by the way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna drop myself off the gas station a little while up here at the road. Uh, don't worry about me. So this papers, if they uh, anyone checks this truck, it's gonna come up at Breckenridge. It's one of their vehicles on paper at least. So you guys shouldn't get a lot of uh, looks, at least from the local police. Everybody here knows Breckenridge. Um, Hell, the police department's address is a 221 Breckenridge Street. Local story is that years and years and years ago, the guy founded the company. Um, I think he had a grandpa or an uncle or somebody that used to live up here and gave a whole lot of money to a policeman's fund for fallen officers and officers injured in the line of duty, officers and their families that died. So in return, Civic Glory, he got a street named after him. So yeah, the local PD, local sheriff, um, all the different government agencies are all lined up. Same same city block, small towns. You know how that goes, right? Sure. They mind their own business. They they don't bite the hand that feeds them, right? So you guys should be just fine. They 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 run the registration on this car. It should give you no double looks. Should be just just ease on through. 
Do you know how deep the local EPA is on this investigation? Yeah, I heard about that. They don't like the EPA much around here. Um, you know, you, you can understand, right? Um, they sent some lady in from Salt Lake City, uh, African-American woman. Uh, she's, she's solo. Uh, we got a Montana rep uh, from our Montana Department of Environmental Quality kind of tagging along with her. So they'll make sure that she doesn't dig her nose or step her toes in anything they don't want her to find out about. So don't worry about that. I feel bad for that poor woman. I mean, she's, uh, she's swimming with the sharks up here. Yeah, they're probably going to keep us from digging our noses into things too. Yeah, you don't want to be EPA up here. They don't have a lot of love for, for you guys. Well, I'll just have to uh, keep quiet about that, I guess. So, I don't need to know what your cover is, but uh, I mean, I'm sure you, you got something worked out, right? We have uh, a story or two worked out. All right. Anybody who gets suspicious, they're going to start making some phone calls. So, be careful what you tread on. That's fair. We are also, though, on a legitimate task force from D.C. Lots of very official paperwork. So, they have to dig fairly deep in order to find something wrong. Okay, good. And if they start making some phone calls, ASL's going to be calling me again. Oh, boy. We'll try to we'll try to keep him off your back. I appreciate that. We'll we'll do our best to keep ASL off your back and to get out of your hair as quickly as we can. Much obliged. So is an ASL like an A cup? <laughs> the different the different cells are I mean, like we are R cell and all of our code names start and start with R. Castle here is with C cell. All of their code names start with C and A's are the boss. Or at least as close to a boss as we have. I'm re- I'm retired, just just to be clear. I'm not active anymore, uh, but you know, once you're once you're so you in, can retire. Yeah, it's, it's uh, they don't let you retire that much. There's always they're always calling for something. There's always another job. I was going to say you can retire, but you apparently can't go far. Yeah, you just you do what you can to get away as far as you can, and and then they call you. It's like being a cop. I get it. I never figured I'd get to retire that far. Well, this is my stop, folks. I'm a. He, he pulls the car into a, a gas station, basically. Uh, pulls a Range okay. Rover in beside uh, one of the uh, little air pump and, and water pump. It's still running. Um, leaves the keys there and the cup holder in the middle. Uh, just gives a polite nod. Good luck. Hope you don't need to Thank call you me. Kindly. He, he exits the vehicle, walks away. You see him walk down the sidewalk and head towards something in the neighborhood. Who wants to drive? Rooster jumps out, hops in the front seat, looks at Rowan, and then looks at the radio and starts flipping through. Yeah, Rowan didn't even go to unbuckle her seatbelt. She was fully aware of what was about to happen and was just like, just just let this happen. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> he'll he'll get us there faster. Right, so the question becomes, where are you going? That's the question. Well, by the time that we get to um because we're heading towards the Capitol, correct? Well, the officer who died, whose name is Fred Jacobs. Uh, worked out of, it's basically the Lewis and Clark County Sheriff's Office in Helena, Montana. That's where his job was. That's where he lived in that city of Helena. That's where he died. Okay. How far away, like if I were to put Helena into the GPS of my phone, how far away would it say that we are at this point? You're about 20 miles out of Helena, which is, yeah. It's a brief okay. drive down Highway I-15, Interstate 15. You're heading in a southwest okay. direction. All right, so it'll be reasonably close to six o'clock in the evening when we get there. My impulse is to see if we can find a hotel in the area, get ourselves checked in and settled in, and then come together and, and discuss 
who we need to go and talk to. We need to talk to the widow of the deceased. We need to start having a chat with his with his bosses and um, start figuring out where exactly he stuck his nose. I'd also like to talk to the medical examiner that uh, looked at him at some point. Mm, that's a good idea. And I don't know, River, do you want to talk to uh, your your Salt Lake counterpoint? Or are we going to try to avoid her? No, we'll we'll need to talk to her and this uh, this local guy, uh, Investigator Fultz, I think it was. From your paperwork, it looks like there is a, a Investigator Gabriel Fultz from the Department uh, of Environmental Quality in the state of Montana. Ooh, I, can, I, I, think, I was going to say, can we go to Electric City Water Park on our way? <laughs> I think it'll be pretty close to closing at that time of night. Water parks are very much a daytime activity. Yeah, let's save the water parks for after the mission's over. A little celebratory water slide. Excellent. What? I, I didn't actually look this up on Google Maps or anything. No, totally not. Uh, so yeah, Rowan will, will like ho- ho- hook an arm over the back and look at the, at, the, at the other three and say, well, I think our best course of action is to get the hotel room, figure out what we need to do in the morning, and hit the ground running as early as we can tomorrow morning. I'm Tiana Hansen, and I play Rowan. I'm Ben Sislowski, and I play Rooster. I'm Seth Jones, and I play River. I'm Joseph Newman, and I play Rory. I'm Thomas Ogus, the handler. Our story is based upon the role-playing game Delta Green by Arc Dreams Publishing. Delta Green is created by Dennis Detwiller, Adam Scott Glancy, and John Scott Tynes. The Chapter 1 story is based on the scenario Extremophilia, written by Shane Ivey. If you like our story, there's two things you can do to support us. First, check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash theredactedreports. Patrons of our podcast will receive early access to each new episode of the story, Rowan's written reports for each chapter, as well as access to bonus episodes that explore the background of our characters and the story. And if you can't support us directly, please support us by telling people about us. Uh, leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Share us on social media. We're on all the usual social media sites as The Redacted Reports. Thanks for listening.